0: Good morning, and welcome to the first show of Rollins Around Town. My name is Sam Stark, and I serve as the Vice President of Communications and External Relations here at Rollins College. My role allows me to engage in the Central Florida community on many levels, and it is my responsibility to help connect the dots between the college and the community at large. The dots I refer to are opportunities for college stakeholders to have access to leaders and professionals in our region, while also uplifting the brand of the college throughout town. A current slogan for Orlando is that you don't know the half of it. That I believe is the same about Rollins College. So this show will showcase the connections between Rollins and the Central Florida community and introduce the college to important community leaders. Guests will come from outside of the college, as well as feature our very own faculty, staff, and students. The goal of the show and these interviews is to show the role, the important role, Rollins plays in town and how important the college community is to our region. So thanks for joining this morning, and it is my pleasure to welcome my friend, Winter Park Mayor Steve Leary, to our first show. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sam. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Sure. Um, I could read your bio, and you know, but let's just start talking about your journey to Winter Park in Central Florida, and and to your role as as mayor of Winter Park. So, can you just sort of first give us like where 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 are you where are you from originally, and and how did you get to Winter Park?
1: Yeah, I, I grew up in uh, the Northeast in Rye, New York. I was born in Greenwich, Connecticut. Grew up in Rye, New York. Uh, went to school up and around that area. Uh, then ended up in college and on the Eastern Shore of Maryland at a school not too dissimilar from Rollins, uh, size-wise, um, called Washington College. And when I graduated there, I went back to New York and got into the advertising business and uh, had some had some fun there working on some big brands, UPS, Compaq Computer, Merrill Lynch, some others. Uh, then moved to San Francisco for a year and moved back to, to help uh, restructure a startup. Moved back to New York, did a couple of years there got married. And I had a brother. Uh, I still have a brother. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of them. And Bill uh, was living in Winter Park. And he had moved down here to uh, help uh, run a family business. And he called me and said, hey, would you like to move down to Winter Park and help me with this business? It's growing and it's it's getting uh, pretty big and unwieldy. So I came down to help Bill uh, run the business. That was in 2004. And In 2008, I think it was, we had purchased a small little piece of property in Haines City and I went to a city commission meeting to say, Mm -hmm. to look and just see who are the leaders. You know, we've made an investment here. Let's see who the leaders are of this community. And after that meeting, I decided, well, I better learn who's (laughs) representing Winter Park. So I started going to commission meetings just to figure out how we were being led. And um, I just realized there was no real representation for me or my peers on the commission at that time. Uh, there seemed to be arguments over tree or brick streets, and um, really, me and all my friends were dealing with school-age kids. And I just said, "Geez, you know, who's thinking about the future and who's thinking about parks for our kids and playing fields?" Which is something that continues to be brought up, and it'll probably be brought up this next election cycle. But uh, that's why I decided to get involved. Didn't really know that many people at the time, but just felt that our peer group was being it was not represented at all on the commission. So uh, I ran for city commission in 2011, uh, served for a term and one year of a second term. And then uh, when the mayor decided not to run again, I decided to run for mayor. And so I've been mayor for five and a half years now, and uh, I'll be termed out in March of 21. So I'll be done. So
0: long story. No, that's go. good. I like it. Am I, am I making it up that when you first moved here, like were you featured on the Today Show? Uh,
1: uh, you're making it up. No I'm, no, I'm not. You're making You're not making it up. Uh, my wife at the, uh, had triplets. And so, uh, she and two other sets of women, uh, two other families had triplets on the same day at Arnold Palmer. Fantastic. And so they were, Caroline and, uh, the other two ladies were featured on the Today Show. That's right.
0: Yeah. Pretty early on. Love it. Love it. So it turned out, like, how does that, How how do you feel you run a meeting today versus like day one as mayor of Winter Park? Is it any different or do you still try to sort of maintain the same fundamental principles? You know, it's a great question. Uh, I think that for me, running a meeting
1: is not taking over the meeting and forcing my will on people. I try to facilitate, and I think you've seen that. I like to, it's very rare that I will make a motion. It's very rare that I'll lead discussion. Um, sometimes I don't even discuss. I'll leave it to the other commission members to discuss. I think that's what my role is, is to provide an opportunity for all parties to have their say and not let the conversation get skewed and not start it off in one way or another. And so, you know, I think, I think if you're a fair minded individual, you can, you can do that. I think that, uh, um, it's hard there's biases up there on the commission there's biases in the chamber and to try to keep everything flowing smoothly um i think that that's my job f- compared to day one um i don't know i don't think it's a whole lot different i feel like i've always done that i'm one of six kids you know you didn't get your way <laughs> that's you didn't get, right. get your way just forcing <laughs> it you kind of had to manage your way through it so uh yeah.
0: and that sort of aligns a little bit with with the form of government in winter park right even though you're the mayor you know it doesn't necessarily make you King, even though you tell us sometimes that you are, but... Um, right. I demand that parking. That's up that right. Up. Mm-hmm. But we have a city manager and and the city commission is a part-time yeah. uh, public service.
1: Sure. I think, uh, you know, what people don't realize is it is a part-time job. And, and I think that's the right way to go about it. Um, there are... It's not supposed to be a full-time job. There are professionals. There's 500 professionals at the city of Winter Park. We have... Every discipline covered. We have traffic, you know, we have traffic engineers. We have all of these really smart, really good, really well intentioned people um, who are there to guide us. We're supposed to set objectives, help develop the strategy, oversee the process, make sure that the budget's there to take care of what we've laid out, and then let staff go do their job and get the heck out of their way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's for folks that have never been in of a leadership position that may be a struggle for some of them is you're not supposed to pick up the phone every day and you're not supposed right. to, you know, tell staff what to do. You're supposed to let the city manager do that. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, the city manager serves at the will of the commission. Yep. And there's two people that report to the city manager, the city, or sorry, to the city commission, the city attorney and the city manager. And if uh, if we don't like what's going on in the city, then we, we, we deal with those folks. Yep. We should not be calling staff members and telling them, and again. <laughs> I try to remind commissioners, and, and specifically newer commissioners, and not I'm not picking on the two new commissioners. I just mean when you come on the yep. commission, we're not traffic engineers. No. You know, we are not architects, right. most of us. We're not land planners. And so when professionals bring us an intersection arrangement, it's gone through the studies. It's right. gone through three or four levels of traffic engineers, the professionals. And so if a commission member says, oh, just add a right turn lane here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which which happens often. Yep. Or I don't like that. Let's put a light here or let's move this intersection. Let's realign it. You know, there's no expertise there. Right. You really need to trust the professionals. And I'm proud of the way we handled something a few weeks ago on Lee Road in that regard. We had uh, two new commission members who really understood that DOT liked what was being proposed. The professional traffic engineers on staff liked what was being proposed. Um, and then the consultants kind of recommended something, and so uh, you know we ended up moving what was being recommended by basically all the professionals uh, forward. So that was a good yep. that was a good move.
0: What's the hardest part about serving as mayor? Oh, boy,
1: it's um, a great question. You know, I, I have people say you must get bothered all the time, and, and I don't really get bothered by by people ever, hardly ever. Um, uh, so, you know, that's. I think it's probably just that you want to do so much more. Yeah. Um, you really want to try to get it all done. The process from being a small business guy, um, and I've run big businesses and I've run small businesses. Probably just the process. You know, there there is a process to getting things done. The library and event center, for example. I mean, you were on that task force. That task force spent what thirteen months in meetings, mm-hmm. public meetings. No. Yeah. Thoroughly vetting how, where it should go, how much it should cost. Um, and here we were five years later before we broke ground. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you can't run a business like that. You can't run anything like that. But unfortunately, that's the process. Yeah. It,
0: does, does government run like business and does business run like government? You know, I think that was sort of a, a, a recent political narrative on the national level, right? Like uh, – um, can can you run government like you run a business? So can you? You can certainly run business like you run government. You're just not
1: going to be in business long. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can run government uh, more efficiently like a business. You can't run it exactly like a business, um, but you can certainly run it more efficiently. And that that's the deal is. There are always ways to do things better and faster, but government is not necessarily created to be efficient. There are just inefficiencies in the system that have to be put in place for different reasons, uh, mostly just uh, CYA stuff, right? But um, you can certainly make every process more efficient. We've done that. We've we've cut some we've cut some things and really put some efficiencies into it, and and kind of across the board in every department.
0: Yeah. So. What you know in March when you're finished, what'll What will you be most proud of, you know, in terms of your leadership and and your time as mayor of Winter Park?
1: Um, Well, it's funny. You'll hear people talk about legacy and legacy. This is a legacy project. This is, you know, I always say, listen, my kids are my legacy. I don't want my – I hope that 10 years from now people look around and say, gosh, I'm glad this stuff is here. I, I don't care to have my name associated with it. Just because I don't – I think we've got too many people looking to take bows and, and slaps on the back for things they do rather than just doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm most proud and, and there are other people who will tell you th- and I can tell you about the processes of how these things got done. But the Howell Branch Preserve, it's a 55-acre natural preserve that we worked with folks at the state level to incorporate into the city of winter park and pay for and help us clean up i mean it's over two million dollars to purchase and clean it up and it's coming online in the next couple months years again here's here's you know <laughs> here's process through government i would say um obviously the library and event center that is going to be a we have the number one architect in the world arguably oh yeah you know sir david aj who who did the African American Museum for the Smithsonian in DC? He's doing the Holocaust Memorial in Westminster. The guy's brilliant. And he's he's created for us a beautiful project that originally we looked at a thirty million dollar budget and we were able to go out and raise an additional close to ten million dollars. So we have a I think it's a maybe twelve million dollars. So we have have a forty two and a half million dollar project that the citizens of Winter Park are paying through their bond offering thirty million dollars for. So not only are we getting this beautiful project, we're able to do it, you know, at a <laughs> – and get a, a quarter of it paid for yeah. elsewhere. Uh, Show Walter Field is great. Uh, I'm proud of the golf course. You know, now one of the top 59 whole golf courses in the world. Um, you know, this stuff is just – I'm I'm proud of the work we've done to increase the value of the properties in Winter Park just over the past four or five years. Property values, when you look at the aggregate property value, we're up close to 100%. I mean that's, that's just – Yeah so all along we're doing and we're doing it with money in the bank yeah you know not too long ago we only had a couple million dollars in the bank we've got close to 17 million dollars in the bank and i will give credit to ken bradley the former mayor who preceded me who made it a goal to have 30 percent of our general fund in reserve and and we started that we've kept on with it and so we've been fiscally responsible we're increasing our park space um we're increasing our tax base and um you know i think i think we're doing a pretty good job
0: yeah well, you deserve a lot of credit, I think, especially for the library and events center and the golf course and, and all those other things you mentioned. But I think you've brought a, an entrepreneurial spirit and approach that um, m- maybe doesn't always happen in, in with with, uh, with our commission and, and any commission for that matter. Yeah. Uh, but I think that that you know would would be something you know, like you mentioned, to be able to raise to, just to have sort of the idea to say, yeah, well, let's go raise ten million dollars. Like that doesn't come a lot out of out of government. Think and so. Yeah, I applaud you for that. Well,
1: thank you. And I'll I, let me go I'll go back to that. It was funny when Randy and I were sitting there, and uh, Randy Knight, the city manager, and the architect, you know, originally we said, hey, we have $30 million. And he presented this project to us and said, hey, here's a $50 million project. <laughs> said, hey, that's great, but we I, have $30 million. And he came back and he said, we got a $40 million project. Fantastic. And I said, why don't we see if we can go raise additional money? And I sat down with Randy, and, you know, the commission said, well, Mayor, if you can Find the money, go for it. And so Randy and I sat there and scratched our heads and we started reaching out. We went to the county and, you know, we said, w- where where are there additional funding opportunities? And, you know, the county stepped up with a $6 million grant for us. And, um, you know, you just got to ask the right people. We've, yeah. I've gone to the state. I'll tell you what, I'm really proud too. If you look at Fairbanks, from yeah. um, I-4 to 1792, that eight years ago, eight years ago, right. I went to the state. And um, Dean Cannon was a speaker at the time. Yeah. And- Dean and I worked together and we were able to secure, I think it ended up being a $12 million grant from the state to underground all the power lines. So those huge transmission lines, right? It just got done this year. It took eight years, but the funding was there almost seven years ago. Right. And again, Andy Gardner at the state level got us the $2 million, who was the president of the Senate, got us $2 million to do Hal Branch Preserve. So you go out and you ask the right questions and you present it in the proper manner and there's people out there who will help. Um, For sure. That's why I would tell you one of the other things I'm very proud of is our ability to work with other people. Mm-hmm. And I see, I see local leaders slamming other local leaders. And I may disagree with, all, uh, with these folks on any number of different, you know, uh, ideas. But I, I work with them. And I tell I'm – the, I'm the chair of the Orange County Council of Mayors. And they are my biggest competitors. Because I am trying to recruit new businesses, and I am trying to make sure that anybody that moves mm-hmm. to Winter Park or anybody that moves to Central Florida wants to uh, wants to uh, live in Winter Park. And yet, they're my biggest supporters because right. we all work together to get better projects and to get better funding and all those things. So you just got to work with people. And again, I think it's being one of six kids; you learn how to work together. So yeah, uh, I am cool. proud of that accomplishment too. Is we we work really well with a lot of people.
0: That's impressive. Um is there is there something you leave office wishing you would have done or you know a, a project that just never quite got the traction that you wanted
1: yeah i think i think a huge miss for us and uh, probably because we were so busy defending and fighting to uh, you know to to take care of the library and event center was we should have a fiber optic network in the city of winter park there's no excuse not to we can get funding for it um, there doesn't seem to be the will on the commission, but right now we have one provider in the city, and um, it's just – it's not – I don't think it's fair. We can be delivering 10-gig service uh, to homeowners. If if COVID taught us anything, it's how important the internet is, and um, we should be able to provide an alternate provider or an alternate service to the citizens of Winter Park and the businesses of Winter Park. Yeah. And so that's disappointing for me. I, I've not been able to garner support. Uh, for that. And that's um, something that we could do quickly and easily and fairly inexpensively. And it would be an additional revenue um, stream for us as a city. Mm-hmm. As our electric revenues are kind of on the decline, as things get more efficient, we could find another stream of revenue. So um, it could be something for the city. And I would tell you, I've always looked at the west side of Central Park. And we should, and we can, and again, it, this one's a little bit more expensive, but we can capture some revenue on it. Put an underground parking space, uh, garage in there. We could handle up to 300 cars if you put a parking lot underneath the current West Meadow mm-hmm. and underneath what the current parking lot is. Um, and you could – listen, I, I'd pay to park there all day long if I could. I don't mind going in there and paying. Um, some people say, well, you know, I, I had an, a very sweet uh, senior lady say, well, I'm afraid of parking garages, so I can't support that. And I said, well, but that's great. I can park underground and I just freed up a spot for you on the top. (laughs) That's right. Right? (laughs) And so we could do that and think about it on weekends or any other day when you want to then close down Park Avenue or close something else, you have parking all set up. You're not taking the parking by closing down any streets. Right. And so we could bury the parking. The water table is (laughs) perfect at that area. So um, those are the two projects I'm, I'm disappointed that we were not able to get across the finish line.
0: Two ambitious ones and good ones that hopefully one day will will, will happen for us. I Hope so. Um, it's sort of like a tell us something we don't know about Winter Park? Any any great nugget that you uh, can share, or do you have to wait till March? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I should have read the memoir. Uh, uh, two things I think we should know is there are really really good people in Winter Park who work or uh, who work for the city of Winter Park. I mean, we have. You know, I think you know that I'm out and about pretty regularly, and even if I have no reason to go out, I will go out just to say hi to the folks that are out there working for us every day. And they give a dang about the city. They may not live here, but they're working every day. They're doing a huge uh, water main project in my neighborhood, and it's been dug up for the past, I don't know, two or three weeks. And I pulled in last night, just walked out and talked to the guys, and they're just so proud of the work they're doing. So we have tremendous amount of pride in uh the people that work here in the city. And I also think that when people do run for office here, I hear, well, I know everybody in Winter Park. I'm going to tell you, you say you don't know half of it, you don't know half of the citizens of Winter Park because people to this day will say to me, you don't know this person. you got to know this person. I'm like, well, I guess I don't because I got elected (laughs) four times now. (laughs) But i think there's a there's a it's fascinating because there are so many new people which i love there's so many new people coming into the city every day that move here and you know this but when i was first elected as a commissioner i met with uh president uh duncan and i said well who comes and who comes from the city to welcome new students and their families and he said well nobody's ever done that and i said well i'd love i'd welcome the opportunity. So for the past eight or nine years, I stand on stage with the rest of you and welcome yeah. families and freshmen. And I say to them, you know, <laughs> some of you are going to be here four years. Some of you may be here a little bit longer. Um, I hope you all leave in four years or so. But I want you all back. Yeah. Like Go out. Get that experience. Then bring it back to Winter Park. and And, you know, we do a lot of things great. But there's a lot of things we could do a lot better. And if you go out and learn from the Rest of the world, talk about being global, uh, global citizens. Global citizens, yep. go learn that stuff, bring it back, make us better. And I think there is some great people. There is some great people who've lived here for generations, and there is some phenomenal people who have just moved here who have got great ideas yeah. and who contribute and who contribute quietly um, to this community. And so, uh, you yeah. know, the the secret of Winter Park is the people that work here in Winter Park, and also the people that are that have been here and are moving here. We've yep. got tremendous uh, talent.
0: So you've you've helped uh, transition a little bit nicely to to the next part of the questions is really, you know, talk about the town and gown relationship, right? Um, What what does it mean to you as the mayor and and as a Winter Park resident to have Rollins College here in Winter Park?
1: Man, it's a a relief. It really is. I think that um, the energy, I love coming on campus. You know, and I say this, uh, I know um, Gary Jones over Full Sail, I say the same thing. Going back Think about it when you go. I mean, you're at your alma mater, but when I go back to where I went to college, getting on campus is such a freeing, and it's you just feel the energy, um, and so th- just the energy that Rollins brings, um, the intellectual capital that Rollins brings, the frustration that students may bring to <laughs> our, our neighborhoods. <laughs> That's right. Um, but it's you know it's it's life, it's action, and. Um, they're just the action itself, uh, that energy that you all provide to the community, big ways and small ways. You're always participatory in the hotel, the golf course. You guys were one of the first f- people that stepped up and helped us with the golf course with a, with a major commitment. Um, Show Walter Fields, another thing I'm very proud of. You know, it's hard to get. That's the Winter Park High School football field owned by the citizens of Winter Park. Um the, again, that, there could be a book written on how we got that done. But we had the city of Winter Park, the Winter Park High School Foundation, Orange County Schools, and there's a – I think I'm blanking on the fourth partner. We had four partners to get that thing done. And, oh, it was Rollins. And, and here I am. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, that one. I knew I started it th- somewhere. <laughs> um, and we had Rollins. And, and the, the you guys had no reason to assist, zero reason, except I asked. You know, I came to Rollins and I said, would you guys consider helping us get this done? And you guys did. And Rollins stepped forward with a major commitment, major commitment. And I'm not sure if Rollins even uses a field anymore. But it's just unbelievable partnership in so many ways. And the history goes back. I don't care whether it's an intersection. Again, I mentioned, you know, it's crossing intersections, lights, going yep. to the state for additional support, supporting some of the projects that city does. Um, you guys have been great. So uh, I love I love the college. I love their relationship. Yep. Um i talked about my school originally a little while ago and when Washington College, of leaders there, came and talked to me about our relationship to Town and & Gown. And I told them, I said, you know, Chestertown, Maryland can be your greatest asset or your greatest liability as you all move forward. And you need to figure out how to make it your greatest asset. Mm-hmm. And um Hopefully they're working on that relationship, and and you know I use Rollins, I used you guys as an example for the alumni relations. So uh, tremendous, tremendous assistance that uh, Rollins College has always been to uh, our Park.
0: You served as a mentor to a Rollins student Elijah Newell uh, who graduated last year. Um, how how was that experience for you? And and you know, sort of maybe should have kept him out of it, but he's such a great guy and a good friend uh, to to a lot of us. What what surprised you the most about Elijah? you know, just as a young up-and-coming student and, and a business professional?
1: Well, uh, you know, Elijah texted me last night. Um, it, it, just the open-mindedness of the kid. And uh, I say kid, uh, he's 21, 22, 23, <laughs> something like that, right? Um, I, boy, I don't know. I mean, there's so many. I just think in general, you have the opportunity to help people. And all it really takes is and ask. I told him, I said, you know, your job right now is to get a job. And then just start building. I, you know, I started banging nails when I got out of college framing homes. And I said, um, build your tool belt. You know, when you're a carpenter, you get a hammer and a belt. And then along the way, you you know, put in a screwdriver, you put in a square, you put in a, you know, a wrench, you put it, you put these things in. And I said, that's your career. Start building your tool belt. And he was so open to hearing. And I said, just go talk to anybody. You don't have to go in and ask everybody for a job. Just go sign, find something and talk to somebody. Um, I remember when I got my first job in advertising, I didn't want to get into advertising, but I just met somebody and they were talking about it. I said, "Well, that sounds kind of interesting. And then I had a fascinating career in advertising. I just loved learning about, that sounds really, really boring, but uh, United Parcel Service was my first client. And I remember getting to uh, Louisville, Kentucky at two o'clock in the morning to watch them sort 12 million packages in one (laughs) night. Fascinating. But I met some great people through that. So talking to Elijah, I mean, he's so open and he's so ready to learn. And I think that's what you need. And hopefully that's what Rollins is delivering. I've seen that. I've, I've, uh, spoken, I've held a couple classes here in the business, um, school. Um, and, uh, it's great the the opportunity to sit and ask people questions and to learn and to actually listen. Yeah. Um, it's good.
0: Love it. He's a he's a great student and I do think he represents you know sort of that open mindedness um, yeah. of um, of wanting to learn and wanting to grow and but also wanting to give back and that's that that really is I think an, a Rollins. Hallmark, uh, you know, t- trademark of our students right now.
1: Well, you know, I'll tell you very quickly a quick story. When we first met with him, he was sitting in my office, and we had a. Uh, I asked him what if if he was if he had a party affiliation, and he did, and he told me why. I said, well, "Why are you associated with this particular party, um, political party?" And he told me about the other party. Why he wasn't with them. I said, "Okay, so you know that's I'm affiliated with the other party," and he said, and I said, "But." Keep an open mind about it. I'm never going to ask you to change parties or anything, but see if I represent what you just said I represent. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it got to the point I think there are so many – we have become as a society so focused on – On um, people will say to me, you know, I'll, I'll tell people that sometimes I don't agree with another person. What don't you agree on? We're so focused on what we don't agree on rather than what we do agree on. Yeah we're so focused on you know the fringes have started to define the middle rather than the middle defining the fringes right you know you can't get through a you can't get through a primary unless you unless you really play to the fringes these days and it used to be the opposite we can never elect this guy through a general because of some of the crazy stuff he or she is saying right but now you can't get through the primary unless you do some of that stuff so we're ending up in a place where we're so combative by the time we get to the conversation, because no. the ground rules have changed. And I, you know, what was refreshing for me in that conversation with Elijah was we started off in separate places, but we've had a respectful dialogue to say, you know, just because I, w- I, I have a D or an R next to my name on a voter ID card, right. doesn't mean I believe everything, or right. doesn't mean I fall lockstep with the crazies in my party, just as it doesn't for me either, yep. and so I think that uh, that open mindedness, that ability to communicate and converse, is really important.
0: Yeah, that's a good topic for another show. Maybe <laughs> maybe about twelve <laughs> or fifteen shows uh, because that's a. Uh, it's a real issue, right? And as, yeah. as parents of uh, you know young kids and teenagers, you know, you, you, you st- we start to wonder what the legacy is going to be, and our kids' first memory of a presidential election is going to be this. Yeah, and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mess. Um, yeah, it certainly is. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite place on the Rollins campus?
1: Boy, um, that's that's tough. Uh, any place I can find a parking space. <laughs> <laughs> You know, people ask me what's great about being mayors. I said I get good parking, except on Rollins campus. <laughs> I've got to call ahead and make sure I'm not towed. Um, I don't know, Sam. That's a that's a really good question. I love the theater. I love the gym. I mean, I, I but when I go to the gym, I'm either going for a for a, a ball game or I'm going to uh, to um, you know to a commencement ceremony. Uh, I love going to the Alphonse Stadium to watch a baseball game. Um, and I think, you know, I don't think Rollins, it is fairly defined by its geography, but I don't think it is in the city. And so I like going to a restaurant and bar and seeing Rollins' families in there, not just the kids, but the families. So I think that's part of Rollins' campus. I yeah. think, you know, I always, and, you, and you've been there, I preach to families when they first come here, come across Fairbanks. I want to see you in the city. Right. You know, it's important. And so – I don't know if there's a sp- particular place on campus. It would probably be waterfront somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like Rollins is so immersed in Winter Park that um, just when I see students, I feel like it's part of campus.
0: Yeah. You know? What's your What's your take on you know sort of one of the, one of the narratives in the community at large? You know, Rollins. Um, you know, not, not everybody loves Rollins as much as I do, and, sure. and maybe not even as much as you do. Um, some of it has to do with they, they think that Rollins doesn't pay taxes and we own too much property. Um, any any thing you can share on that and any sort of uh, perspective that you can offer?
1: Um, that's a great question because I do, I, I get it. I mean, I, you do, you know, when you look at the tax rolls, um, Rollins does pay uh, significant uh, to our tax rolls through some of the properties they own that are not affiliated with student use. Uh, but then you do see a, a big piece of property and the same thing with the hospitals. Um, you know, right now I think we have a challenge with with some of the hospitals and uh, as nonprofits buying yeah. up small little parcels to put doctor's offices or MRI centers or whatever they are in place. And so, you know, as a city leader, you do worry about our tax base. And when our tax base is too overweighted on the residential side, which it currently is, you try to look for more commercial opportunities. But when you're, when I, as a commercial investor, or somebody else comes in as a commercial investor and you're competing with Rollins or mm-hmm. Advent Health or <laughs> Orlando Health, right? <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I know who I'd be if I was selling. I know who I'd be selling to. <laughs> so um, you do worry about that, and you keep an eye on it. But for the most part, Rollins is, you know, in life you have net takers and net givers. And I think Rollins is a net giver. Uh, I just think unquestionably what they contribute back to the community. And as I mentioned before, you know, the investment at Show the investment at the, um, at the golf course, uh, the seminars you guys offer to the community. Peg and and, uh, and Grant have been great ambassadors, as you have, to the community and getting involved and welcoming people on campus. Um, so yeah, I mean, would I, I'd love you guys to pay taxes 100%. <laughs> of course. Um, sure. Um, Fair enough. But uh, you guys are net givers easily.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. I think at some point, too, one of the you know, topic that I might try to bring forward on the show is sort of the economic impact of the college, because I do think um, it's pretty real. and It's pretty significant across yeah. the board. I agree. So, not knowing for sure if uh, President Cornwell is listening today or not, um, I'm guessing he's got a pretty busy schedule. So, let's assume he's not. If you were president of Rollins for a day, what, what would you do to enhance the relationship between Rollins and the city? Or, or what, what, would, what might you do to, uh, uh, you know, if you had the, the opportunity to serve as president for a day of Rollins?
1: Yeah. Hmm. Wow.
0: Retire your jersey maybe. <laughs>
1: Fox Day became Leary Day. Um, you know, I'm not sure as I said peg is everywhere in the city and 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 again this covid thing has really thrown us for a loop. But prior to prior to this um, the you guys are very public. And you do have to walk that fine line. You know, if you're too public then you're and everybody's bought supposedly, you know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Until there was a building named after me here, uh, I I don't think people (laughs) fully believe it. But I think that uh, you guys have been very impactful in the city and very present. And I think we all need more of that in our lives in general, just being present. And um, I don't know if there's anything I would do immediately, to be quite honest. I just think um, you all have done a great job for decades.
0: Appreciate that. So what's next for you? Um, you Got a day job. And a few day jobs. Yeah. Quickly. yeah
1: i you know it was um last year i was considering running for orange county commission and um i had received a, I i mean i think i in a month and a half had outraised my opponents by combined over over twice what they had raised in a, in a very short period and um i was really looking forward to it uh to serving the county at the county level um and then just halfway through the race, I just kind of looked around and said, I've got a lot going on. And my kids, I've got 15-year-old triplets. Um, my businesses are all doing very well. I've got partners. I've got family commitments. I just had so many commitments. And you know me well enough. If I couldn't do it uh, to the full extent, um, then I just, I, I had to get out. Yeah. And that was the hardest thing was pulling back because I felt like so many people were relying on me. Um, and I don't like to let people down. And so- you know, to get back to your question, I, I pulled out of it um, with enough time for other people to get in if they wanted to, and that was purposeful. Um, I think I need a break. Mm-hmm. It's 10 years of public service, <laughs> um, and I've, people have asked if I would, you know, there, there are other political positions out there appointed and, and uh, elected, and I, th- I think uh, for now, unless it's a really interesting opportunity from an appointment standpoint, um, I'm going to just take a little break and... I've got a lot of things that are happening uh, career-wise that just busy, and no. so I need,
0: <laughs> I need, makes sense.
1: That, that extra large coffee you saw me walking in with this morning was understandable. Um, yeah, was
0: important. I think you know one of the things I've learned a lot about uh, my involvement with the community is in, in working with mayors and commissioners. You know, throughout the whole region, is it's hard, and I think that it public servants. You know, perhaps is a term that, uh, we, we don't talk about much more anymore. It's just it's politicians. Yeah. And, um, I think that's unfortunate. Um, you people put yourself out there in such a public way and are such easy punching bags for just about anything. <laughs> and, uh, that's, uh, I applaud you and appreciate you, uh, and all of the people who do it. I, I, I do think it's, um, particularly in, in some of these more local and municipal uh, races and, and elections where you're certainly not doing it for the money. Yeah. Um, that, that, is, that is crystal clear. That's true. So trying to wrap up here, what's what's the biggest challenge facing Winter Park and, and maybe even you know going a little bit more macro into the whole Central Florida region?
1: Um, I would say one of the major th- things, and it's probably not a macro thing for the region, is um, younger involvement in the city of Winter mm-hmm. Park. Um, I was,
0: uh,
1: I'm 54 and I was called the young guy. Um, and that's, it, we need more younger people involved. When you look at the demographics of Warner park, the median age, I think is 44. Uh, and we need to make sure, I mean, I'm the younger guy on the commission by probably a decade, I would, I would guess. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe almost double that, uh, for for some others. Um, I think it's really important that the younger younger folks in Winter Park get involved in Winter Park. This, you know, again, we're talking about the future. We're talking about your kids. Some of the things that I, you asked me what I'm most proud of, those are, those. I'm not going to see the benefit of some of these things. I'm not going to, the urban forestry management plan was the first time we actually enacted a plan to manage our urban forest, right? Before it was don't cut down that tree. We had to go down and call some of these trees, and I'm not going to see the benefit of that. My kids will see the benefit of that. Their kids will see the benefit of that. We'll have a healthy urban forest in the city of Winter Park. And if we don't have people who are thinking about the kids and thinking about the grandkids, but rather thinking about just themselves, um, that's, a, that's a real problem for the city of Winter Park moving forward because the world is changing, and if we're not on top of that, uh, we're going to get run over. Yeah. Macro, um, I think just growth, you know. Uh, but again... I've said it all along, you know. It. it um, I said this at one of my first meetings or debates. Is you remember of mice and men? It's one of the few books I remember, and it was Lenny who had the pet. It was a mouse, I think, right? And he he loved it so much, he squeezed it to death, right? And as a community leader, you can't love the city enough, but if you love it so much that you're stifling, um, stifling it, then that's a problem. And we need to make sure. The growth is coming. You're not going to stop it. But we've got to figure out how to best manage the city of Winter Park so we continue to maintain, you know, what we've been blessed to mm-hmm. inherit. And uh, so growth and traffic and, yep. you know, you yep. can, again, you can also tell, <laughs> you can present to people the actual findings. You can present to people the professional's opinion, the professional's <laughs> advice. Um,
0: but you can't make them drink sometimes. Right, you know? no doubt. That's a tough one. That's That's certainly for the region too.
1: Yeah, absolutely
0: so your, your, your last parting uh comments or, or advice for for graduating students you know what 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 are you what are you telling them um, as they you know have one more semester left in their senior year here at Rollins
1: well I think it's kind of a wrap-up of what we've been talking about right I think it's uh go out build your toolbox um, when I worked in Manhattan and was sleeping on a couch I had four buddies who had a Four bedroom apartment, and I I rented the couch from them for my first year living <laughs> in New York City, and uh, one of the one of the guys that I worked for said, you know, it's really it seems trite, but you've got two ears and one mouth. Listen as much twice as much as you talk. I think if you go out and hear some great old stories, um, some of them may be boring, some of them may be non. Um, you don't think they were late at all. But uh, go out and listen to people, go out and talk to people. You know, some of those old folks, I love, I love going to the Towers. I love going to the Mayflower. Some of the stories these folks tell you are unbelievable. And um, just you can learn so much by listening. So if I'm a senior, if I'm a junior, freshman, sophomore, whatever, um, talk to people. Just get out. I mean, go to the local places, sit down, crack in on a conversation. You'll never know what you pick up. You, the guy may not offer you a job, but you may get some advice that you don't even think is relevant until five years down the road. And right. he's like, God, I remember what that guy said. So uh, keep your ears open and uh, get out and meet some people.
0: I love it. Um, Steve Larry thank you very much for being the first guest on uh, Rollins Around Town. Not sure uh, what the uh, future holds for the show, <laughs> but I sure love just sitting down and having a good talk with you and uh, appreciate your – Colleague Meg Fitzgerald being here too to, uh, to listen and support um, what you're doing and uh, what's going on in the community as well. Um, next week, we'll be back Wednesday morning at 9 o'clock for the next show. And I uh, hope everyone will tune in here to 91.5 WPRK. I'm going to turn it back over to uh, Dalal, our great uh, student uh, radio operator, boor- uh, working on the board. And she's going to play a, a, a Spotify playlist from the very own Becky Hopkins. Uh, from my team in the Communications and External Relations Department. So have a great day, everyone. Thanks.